0: Good afternoon, good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I am your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan, and today is episode 305, and we're going to take a look at one of the bank failures, the next one on our list. The next one that is on the list is Heartland Tri-State Bank of Elkhart, Kansas. So let's dive into this puppy here. So I'm just reading directly from the FDIC.gov website in regards to this particular bank failure. And then I'll mention what I found online about it It was kind of shocking. It says on Friday, July 28th, 2023, Heartland Tri-State Bank was closed by the Kansas Office of the State Bank Commissioner. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, also known as FDIC, was subsequently named receiver. No advance notice is given to the public when a financial institution is closed. I disagree with that because if it was my if it was my money, I would want to know about that. It says Dream First Bank National Association of Syracuse, Kansas assumed all the deposit accounts and substantially uh, all the assets. All shares of stock were owned by the holding company which was not involved in this transaction. Now when I go to the press release This was uh, on July 28th. uh, Washington and FDIC released this to the public. It says basically the same thing I just mentioned here, but also says the four branches of Heartland Tri-State Bank will remain open as branches of Dream First Bank National Association And then it says depositors of Heartland Tri-State Bank will become depositors of Dream First Bank National Association. So they do not need to change their banking relationship because this other bank is just absorbing them. Um, It says here the FDIC and Dream First Bank National Association are entering into a commercial shared loss agreement on the loans it purchased of the former Heartland Tri-State Bank. So that means that it's agreed that it's a loss, but we're going to try and save the depositors because they don't deserve this. And I'm going to mention why in just a moment. Um, The FDIC as receiver in Dream First Bank National Association will share in the losses and potential recoveries on the loans covered by the shared loss agreement, which is projected to maximize recoveries on the assets by keeping them in the private sector. So basically, the government is not going to absorb all this because government does not create wealth. It typically destroys it. Um, It says the agreement is also expected to minimize disruptions, for loan customers, but also they still expect you to pay your loans. (laughs) So um, very interesting there. It says the FDIC estimates that the cost to the deposit insurance fund, also known as DIF, will be $54.2 million. So it's a loss of quite a bit. So almost $55 million, it's a loss. Um, It says here, compared to other alternatives, Dream First Bank National Association's acquisition was the least costly resolution for the D.I.F., an insurance fund created by Congress in 1933 and managed by the FDIC to protect the deposits at the nation's banks. Okay, so when I researched this, I was kind of shocked. I was like, I don't know, when I was reading about this just from the FDIC website, I was like, that this is really odd that this bank just up and fails quickly, but there was like nothing that led up to it. So what I found online was that the bank CEO, the guy that's in charge of it, he fell for a crypto scam of like several million dollars. This guy, he started working for the bank in a way lesser role back in like 95 or 93. And then by the 2000s, Um, He got promoted over and over again, like or not over and over, but he got promoted on up the chain of command, so to speak. And eventually he became CEO and basically president of this bank, uh, uh, Heartland Tri-State Bank, and he ran it into the ground. He basically fell for a scam, and there is an article that I found from um, the Washington, not Washington, but from the Kansas comptroller. Um, what did I close out that? I bet I closed out that website. I apologize. I closed it out. I found an article from the Kansas, I guess it's like a banking commissioner. Um, he didn't say a whole lot, but he said that the reason why this bank failed was because the president of the bank failed for a crypto scam and it cost millions of dollars very quickly. And so the FDIC quickly became aware of this because the bank reached out to whoever is right above them within Kansas in in regards to the banking sector. And they said, hey, we have had a tremendous financial loss all of a sudden. We need help. (laughs) So um, it was kind of shocking because usually banks don't fall or fail immediately like that. Like there's usually a, um, a, a progressive deterioration that occurs. It's not just all of a sudden, but this guy that was in charge of this bank was a total idiot, a total moron, and he he totally (laughs) ruined this bank, brought it to its knees, and um, it cost, again, it's like $54.2 million. So this guy, he fell for a crypto scam, the CEO of this bank, and it cost the bank And the taxpayers of this country, $54.2 million. And so another bank had to come in and help them to to save the bank and to save the depositors from losing everything. So, um, not very smart. You know, that's why I'm not always a fan of people that that just move up the chain or they move up the ladder, so to speak. I, I don't think it's always good to promote from within. And that's, you know, when I read about this guy, I thought something's odd about this. He's worked for the bank too long and he just worked his way up. Basically, there's no there's no outsiders getting in there and saying, hey, you have a problem or, hey, we need to do things better. And also, they're not, it, it just kind of seems like it's like a small mom and pop shop kind of feel because it's Kansas. And um, that's not how you run a bank. Not at all. And so, needless to say, uh, this was almost a $55 million mistake because this guy is an idiot and a moron. Total doofus. But this is why I'm always a fan of bringing in outside help, especially for CEO positions. I do not agree with just going with someone that has been with the company for a long time. Unfortunately, when people have been with a company for a long time, they don't see everything. Me personally, I love being around people that are brand new to a company because they're like, hey, why are you doing it this way? Or like, hey, we could do it better this way. And they, they see all the flaws and they see it really quick and they're not being mean. It's just that sometimes you need a fresh pair of eyes to figure out the problems and try to prevent future problems. But that's not what this bank did. They promoted from within. They did not bring in people from the outside until it was too late to save the bank. Meaning they had to go basically directly to the FDIC. I mean, how dumb can you be to fall for a crypto scam and, and use depositor money to do that? I mean, it's just like, wow, um, not very smart, not very bright. But sometimes this happens. But again, this is why it is very much important to to hire people from outside of your company. You know, you get, get some fresh new employees. Unfortunately, a lot of these small mom-and-pop shops, they, they have a, a union mindset. It's like they work for a union, and they don't want any outsiders. They don't like being told what to do until they actually need help because they made a tremendous mistake. And then, oh, help us, save us. Well, where was that open-mindedness way before your your bank and your CEO made a stupid mistake? You know what I mean? So it's important to, to get some new blood in there, so to speak. You know, I, I've never been a fan of just promoting from within. I think that is a tremendous problem within banks and within our federal government and also within our different state governments. You know, like for example, whenever you go to, I think it's USA.gov, that's where a lot of government jobs are listed, it's very common for jobs to only be available to internal applicants, meaning you have to already have a job and be an employee of that, of that government or of that agency or whatever the case may be of that department to even be considered to fill out an application. That's not right. That's why there's so much bureaucracy within our federal government, within our federal agencies, and within our state agencies and within our banks because it's who you know and what you know and you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That is not how you run a government or a company. It's not. It is not. It it basically turns into a good old boy system. And that is never good. That is never good. And so this is why we have so many bureaucrats, unfortunately, that work in Washington, D.C. They work for the government and they work in the private sector, but in very important roles within the financial sector and within the banking sector. And I think that is a, a tremendous problem. Because it caused a bank failure like this that never needed to occur. Um, It could have been completely avoided if the guy had not been an idiot. (laughs) If he had not fallen for a crypto scam. I mean, wow. Has he never watched CSI? (laughs) It's just like even a teenager would know not to fall for that. I mean, even a teeny bopper would know better, so... Anyway, this one, my eyebrows were raised, and I haven't even had Botox yet. But anyway, it it definitely takes the cake so far. Um, But that is it for today's lovely podcast. But as usual, until next time, I pray that you are happy, healthy, and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye-bye.